Hey, pals, want to take the big listen with you everywhere you go? Yes, you do. Well, you can and more with the NPR One app. NPR One finds you the best from public radio and beyond. Surprising interviews? Check. Your favorite podcasts? Check. And now, an easy way to listen to your favorite station live. NPR One is ready to make commuting, cleaning the house, or getting your workout on that much better. Find NPR One in your app store today. Now, before we start, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to The Big Listen. If you love the show or you just want to be platonic buds with us, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps other very attractive listeners such as yourselves find the show. Thanks so much. Now, let's start the show. In October of last year, Hurricane Matthew churned through the Atlantic Ocean, wreaking havoc from the Tiburon Peninsula of Haiti to Newfoundland, Canada. It was also the time that Brett Zonker and Brian Wesley were scheduled to get married on the Delaware shore. We were faced with sort of my nightmare scenario, which was a hurricane. It looked like it might be on target to hit Delaware. Being in the path of a hurricane on your wedding day means the weather probably isn't going to go your way. But Brett and Brian held out hope. So around 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, the skies were starting to look a little bit dark, but it, was still, it still wasn't raining. And so we were able to go out to the beach and take some pictures before the rains came. One of the photographers took the men's platinum wedding bands to go take some beachy photos of them. You're like, this is what you do, right? Is that they what make you do? cool pictures with your rings. I don't know. I've never been it's married apparently before. apparently what you do. We were just like rolling with it. Okay. I'm Lauren Ober, and from WAMU and NPR, this is The Big Listen, the broadcast about podcasts. Each week on The Big Listen, we introduce you to podcasts you might not have ever heard of, and we give you the inside scoop on shows you already love. And this week, we're all about love, because it's Valentine's Day, and who doesn't need a little love? So our grooms in Delaware, Brett and Brian, gave their rings to the photographer who wanted to do some artsy shots with them on the beach. He had placed the rings together on a starfish that he brought, I think from Mexico. There are no starfish (laughs) along the Delaware shore. But this being the beach and all, there were waves, sometimes big ones. So the photographer came back over to Brett and Brian. Guys, we have a problem. I just lost your rings. They were swept out in the ocean. (laughs) Yep, the groom's rings were swept out to sea just before their wedding ceremony. We have a picture of the wave hitting the starfish. (laughs) That was the last photo (laughs) before they were gone. Now, you might be wondering just what this story has to do with podcasting. But trust me, we will get to that. Because while the grooms were frantically searching for replacement rings... You know, contacting friends, anyone who may have a wedding ring that potentially would fit. One of their wedding guests was listening to a podcast. I pretty much am always listening to podcasts wherever I go when I'm walking or driving or anything else. And on the way, on the car ride, on the way to the wedding, we had been listening to a Reply All podcast. So how did an episode of Reply All come to the rescue? We'll find out later in the show. But first, we wanted to spotlight a couple shows that put love and dating and romance and all that mushy stuff front and center. We'll start with a show all about the highs and lows 
mostly lows, let's be real, of online dating. I would occasionally get a match here or there, but it would be really, really rare. Like, I would say probably for every 100 swipes right for a lady that I like, I would probably get one match. The Zoo is a podcast from independent producer Sophie Nikitas that looks at the contemporary dating landscape through the eyes of people who are doing the dating. The folks flipping through dozens upon dozens of online profiles on their devices and swiping left or right on them. I said, finally, I'll go on 14 dates and that's it. No more investment than that. And I really didn't think anything would come of it. Some of Sophie's subjects have found community through online dating. Others have seen unconscious bias alive and well in the dating pool. But they're all trying to find some sort of connection. Sophie Nikitas of the podcast, The Zoo, welcome to The Big Listen. Thanks. Happy to be here. Okay, so tell me where the name The Zoo comes from. Yeah, so I was actually searching for a name for a long time. I really didn't know what I was going to name it. And then I did an interview with someone where they made this parallel where they were saying, online dating is like going to the zoo. Like if you want to find love, sure, you can like go out into the wild and like look for a moose and like try and hunt it down and spend all this time camping. But if you just go to the zoo, you can see a moose. If you want to see a moose, <laughs> you just go to the zoo. And okay, so, wait, hold on, hold on. Can I stop you? You're in Minnesota. Should I no, that? no, no. But you're in Minnesota. <laughs> Do you have moose in your zoos in Minnesota? Honestly, this is I don't deeply know. distressing. This was, this was not my metaphor. <laughs> but I, I mean, thought I'm, it was very apt. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb here and say cool. that you're a millennial. Oh, how did you guess? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, it's, it's my you know, it's youthful voice. Yeah, youthful I'm, voice. I'm 25. I'm white. I'm college educated. I live in Minnesota. Okay. For you and your ilk, what does online dating look like? Because honestly, I'm going to say I've heard some horror stories from my straight girlfriends about the types of messages that people send them. And in fact, you had an episode that touched on that message me if you're not a predator which <laughs> yeah. which which made me feel feel sad for america actually well honestly and it's unclear to me if this is like a minnesota thing but the landscape to me like for women who are looking for men is like a lot of white dudes holding dead fish in their profile. <laughs> That's like the number one thing that my friends tell me that they see and that I also occasionally see. It's like oh more common than not, I would say. <laughs> like it's very it's very deeply metaphorical. Like look at this <laughs> fish I caught. Like I'm gonna catch look you. Look how I can take care of you. <laughs> you dead fish right, like, of a potential right, partner. <laughs> right. Like not only could I catch you, but I could also feed you. Oh, I always swipe left. Like that is an automatic swipe left. That's an automatic. No, I do not swipe right for so, like, fish. Oh, what about for any dead animals? Like any uh, any hunting tableaus? Nothing. Those are all out. Okay. The thing is like I don't look down on people who fish or hunt or anything like that. I just think it's weird to hold it up as a trophy and be like this is what makes me sexually desirable to you. <laughs> yep. Yep. I can see that. 
But so, but so in in that episode, though, message me if you're not a predator. This woman named Maya is getting literally the worst types of messages from people, and she's a woman of color, and the a number of the notes that she gets from men are racist. From the friends that I had that were on OkCupid at the time, it seemed like a lot of their content was on the books that they liked or the movies they liked. And these are friends that are white friends. And for me, it was definitely focused on um, my appearance, on my lips, on being brown. That was a lot of the initial contact. Did turn into a really just an exotification of me in a lot of ways. Um, there were a lot of brown sugar references. My God, that was brown sugar. I was like, great, that's terrible. Why would you do that? Um, I mean, a lot of food references, chocolate, mocha, brown sugar. These were all words used in complimentary ways that were really, really demeaning. Just really gross, banal stuff but my inbox was becoming full i mean for you as a person who uses you know or has used online dating like is it dispiriting yeah like i don't use things like okcupid anymore because i hate that anyone can message you like because that automatically means the worst types of messages are getting into your inbox Mm -hmm. as a woman who like has unwanted male attention all the time just like by being a woman who like leaves her house (laughs) i don't want to like also have that when i'm trying to make human connection and like Mm -hmm. date people yeah that episode it was hard to hear that from someone who Mm -hmm. i really respect and love but it also didn't surprise me at all Mm -hmm. like as someone who's gotten really aggressive messages like it didn't surprise me that there is that other layer for someone who's a person of color can you recall any of the messages you've gotten that have been aggressive? So actually in the first episode, there's a part where I had all these men that both that I know and that I like randomly found on the internet record messages that I had gotten. What's the best book you've read in the last year? Would you possibly be interested in just hooking up? Name, number, immediately. Hey there. Your profile definitely caught my eye. I had some people who I know record it. I had some people who I had dated record them. <laughs> I had I sent out a call on like some public media Facebook groups asking like, hey, do you have like a male voice and like want to read some creepy messages to me? <laughs> um, and so I actually got someone who is like 50 years old who I don't know who's like a radio host somewhere else read this <laughs> message to me. Hi, Sophie. Are you open to chatting with someone older? I'm looking for a friend to pamper and spoil a little. Travel, dinner, music, attention. Does that interest you? I hope to hear back from you. You I've seen that particular person message all of my friends as well with like that same message. (laughs) Creepy messages are not uncommon. Mm -hmm. Well, in in one of your episodes, you you talked to two folks who identify as LGBT, but they but they also grew up in conservative families, uh, perhaps not in major metropolitan areas, and they use online dating as a way to sort of explore their sexuality in a safe way. Yeah. And like I also like that episode, I identified so strongly with the woman's story. Mm -hmm. Like 
growing up and just like assuming that like straight is what you're supposed to be and I didn't have the same thing where like I was in a conservative Christian household like I didn't have like I had a very supportive community but the ability to use online dating to explore different types of relationships that didn't seem like options to Mm. me when I was younger when I was in high school even early college has been really amazing and like when I first talked to this woman and she told me like I'm really struggling with this and I'm sort of interested in trying online dating to like sort of figure this part of myself out I was like oh I didn't realize that you know other people were thinking about that. I did match with one girl but I was too scared to message. Uh, Should we read about her? Yeah. Oh wow she's like the first to like not have a lot of words. She has two emojis. I mean, I, I would hope too that all of that stigma that I carried is no longer there. Firebirds from the church that we went to. You need deliverance! I I mean, the man in that episode is very clearly like, I'm attracted to men, that's what I want. I'm going to go get it. But Mm -hmm. the woman, what I appreciated about her story was the subtlety and the idea of like, I don't know exactly what I want. Mm -hmm. And so I need to figure it out. And I, again, like I just related so strongly to that. Do you find when you're talking to people that they're just more bad online dating stories than good? My old roommate had this great saying where she was like, I love online dating because you either have a great date or a great story. (laughs) And so, like, it's not necessarily a bad story, right? Like, it can be bad. There are definitely horror stories. But I think that so many more of the stories are more subtle and nuanced. They're not necessarily bad or they're not necessarily amazing. I found my soulmate. We're getting married, like, in a week, you know? Right. There's so much in between, just like in, in... you know, regular IRL. online dating. Yeah, IRL. <laughs> I'm trying not to say in real life. I'm trying so hard. Sophie Nikitas is the creator of The Zoo, an independent podcast all about online dating. To find out more about her show, check out biglisten.org. Now, remember our friends Brett and Brian from the top of the show? They were the grooms whose wedding rings were swept out to sea on the day of their nuptials. We spent maybe five to ten minutes looking for the rings in the sand, and we quickly gave up. I mean, I figured at this point the the rings had been swept well out to sea and that we were never going to find them. But while the guys were giving up on the search, one of the wedding guests, Kelsey Livingston, went out for a walk on the beach. And as I do when I go for a walk anywhere, I picked up my... uh, my phone and my headphones, and I just turned on the podcast that I happened to be listening to. So I was sort of listening to the second half. It wasn't really, like, rough or windy. I mean, it was like And what she happened to be listening to to was an episode of the show Reply All. And the first wave that hit me, like, immediately sucked my ring, like, off my finger. In the podcast, this guy who'd recently gotten married lost his ring while playing in the ocean. Eventually, he finds a website that helps him get the ring back. Come on. Yes, And uh, he's like, I knew we were going to find it. So uh, Kelsey finishes her stroll on the beach and finishes listening to the podcast. And I walk back to uh, the bed and breakfast to get ready and notice that 
Everyone's a little bit in a tizzy. That's when she hears about Brett and Brian's lost rings. And I'm like, I just heard a podcast about that. I swear to you, I just... And no one was interested (laughs) in hearing from me that that was what happened. They were like, you know, this is an actual situation that we are actually facing right now, Kelsey, and I don't want to hear about the podcast. So did they ever find the rings? Can a podcast save their wedding? Ooh, cliffhanger. You'll just have to listen to find out. But now it's time for a quick break. When we come back, we'll hear from one of the creators of The Heart about why tumultuous love stories are generally the best. I mean, I would love to do more like wins, you know, but I think that people relate more with the anxiety around love. That's coming up in just a sec on The Big Listen. Don't go anywhere. This is NPR. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message comes from Blue Apron. Not Green Apron or Brown Apron. It's Blue Apron. Blue Apron partners with sustainable farms, fisheries, and ranchers to bring you all the ingredients you need to create incredible home-cooked meals. Ingredients come with an easy-to-follow recipe card so you cannot screw up, delivered to your door weekly in a refrigerated box. If you're too busy to grocery shop or you're just mad lazy, Blue Apron might just be your new best friend. Get your first three Blue Apron meals free plus free shipping by visiting blueapron.com big. Hey, Lauren from The Big Listen. This is Ben up in Sitka, Alaska. I just wanted to uh, make a shout-out to my favorite podcast recently called The Rebel Beats, based out of Montreal. Amazing show. Um, Beautiful uh, artists and music centered around political, frontline political movements uh, around the world. We might have all come from different places, but also the idea of musically being nomads, meaning we tap into different styles, how can you disassociate hip-hop from jazz, from soul, from Haitian uh, folklore, from Latin American folklore, all those things, from reggae, all those things are, are the roots of, 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 of hip-hop culture, of the story of hip-hop culture, which is highly linked. I highly, to highly recommend it. Um, thanks for all your awesome shows. Forward to listening. Bye. Hey pals, welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober, and I want to know what's tickling your eardrums these days. So give us a bell on the old pod line and leave us a recommendation. The number is 202-885-POD1. You are a tastemaker, and we want to hear from you. If you are looking for a podcast about the joys of being in love and the delight of finding that one special someone... The heart is probably not for you. Welcome to the heart. In the words of its creators, the heart is about the terrors and triumphs of intimacy, the bliss and banality of being in love, and the wild diversity of the human heart. And if that sounds a bit heavy, that's because it is. The heart does not tread lightly. Have you ever had a friend you thought you might be in love with? Have you ever slept beside this person in a bed and wondered, if their hand was grazing yours on purpose? What's stopping you? Caitlin Prest is the host of The Heart, and she is not at all afraid of exploring the messiness and the ecstasy of love and intimacy, sometimes at the same time. 
Caitlin, welcome to The Big Listen. Why, thank you, Lauren. I am so delighted to be here. <laughs> I was just, I was hoping that you would turn on the Caitlin Press radio voice, like, immediately. And did, did, and did that did. pass the test? Yeah, yeah. It was sufficiently bedroomy. Thank what you. a relief. <laughs> what a relief. I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased. I mean, one of the things I think that makes your show stand out, one of the many things, is that uh, it does have this really intimate feel. How have you over the years sort of determined the sound of the show that it's going to sound like you and I are lying on a pillow together and you're just whispering me this story? Well, that's a really good question. I think that in the beginning, um, the heart was it was it was like a sex education show. But like Mm -hmm. but my approach to the question of what a sex show would sound like what like my answer to that question was it should sound a little bit like sex <laughs> you know like in the, sa- the same way that a really right. good movie i mean if you go to a horror movie you are scared right <laughs> so the first episode of the heart the first official episode of the heart is called first and it's about a first kiss and um and the question that we asked in the making of that episode is how can we get as close as we possibly can to giving the listener the experience of having the first kiss. I'm like, I'm a fan of the soft start, the kissing, just, just kissing each other's lips, letting the kisses last longer. Digging your hands in the hair. Or tracing the collarbone or the sternum. It's not like every episode is like about a relationship or about love or whatever. So like, how do you define it? I think that what we're trying to do on the heart is to take the mythology that we grew up with around love Mm -hmm. and complicate it, you know, and be like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, we grew up thinking that this is what love looked like. Um, It was straight. It was married. And, um, you know, all sorts of other like assumptions that we have about like what love looked like. But then we also do things that are sort of, you know, about feminism kind of straight up, mm-hmm. you know, like about like women's issues. And like, you know, we did a story about FGM and a woman who um, was cut when she was female young. genital mutilation. Yeah, when she was young and yeah. her sort of facing the question of like, how am I going to live a like full life like with a partner? When I was seven, my mom told me that I had a bug growing inside of me that needed to be removed. And so she said that we would go and I had to be really brave. And my grandmother told me, oh, you know, so-and-so down the street also got hers removed. And she was like so happy afterwards and felt so good. And it barely hurt her. And she jumped up and down and... But the night before the operation, I got scared. I didn't like the idea that there was a bug inside of me that someone would have to cut out. So I laid in bed thinking, be gone, bug. Be gone, bug. Be gone, bug. There was very personal stories, basically. You know, like that's really Mm -hmm. what it comes down to is that it's, you know, there's like a, you get invited in. You get invited all the way in to one person's most private, vulnerable self. The heart doesn't do 
a ton of like relationship wins. Oh, you know, there's point. a lot of like near misses or like love lost or things that are hard. You know, I mean, do you ever feel like doing a story that's just like really uplifting? Well, I mean, well, yeah, good point. Good point. We also, of course, like re- really run the risk of like, ew, sappy, disgusting. You know what I mean? Like when people yeah. hear oh, it's a show about love. It's like, ew, get away. I mean, I would love to do more like, you know, really like some wins, you know. But there is one story. Um, it, I think it's called Samara and Kelsey. Samara, like she's like casually hooking up with someone. And then her dad gets like deathly ill. And this casual hookup is like, you know, she just moved to the city. And this is like the one person who is like really there for her. They had known each other for a month and suddenly like, you know, they're sitting in the hospital with with Samara's entire family, you know, and right. and and that has a happy ending because like they're getting married. I mean, they, that's not in the right. episode, but like they it ends on their them being like moving in together and like being really happy that their relationship yeah. that this like kind of intense family event fast forwarded their relationship. Oh, that's being weird because there's a recorder on. <laughs> what are you drinking? I'm gonna have a beer. Yeah. What kind of beer is it? It's this West Coast IPA that I bought for my friend when she was in town. Oh, I don't like this. Mm. Let's see if I do. This is Kelsey and I in our own apartment. We've been living together for about a year and a half, including the months we spent together when my dad was sick. Yeah. You gotta be, you gotta like IPAs. It's pretty intense. It's warm and we cook a lot. I have a garden in the back and a ladder to get up to my side of the bed. Kelsey put out all her little lamps and mounted a trombone stand on the wall. We have a cast iron pan because Kelsey is afraid that Teflon is going to kill us. I still see my dad a lot, but he's fine now. All right, we got to win. But it still ends on the question of like, well, do I do I really love you because I love you or do I love you because I needed you? You know, but that's an important question to ask, because sometimes the answer is yes, it's because I needed you. Who cares? You know, like like it's like right. this this whole again this like mythology around love that is like we must suffer for love, we must pine for love, we must be like you know sick with desire for the person that we're with for for however you know like and it has to be this huge thing. But I think that when I look at the world, what I see is not all of that you know, and I feel like it sucks that people who don't like who didn't go through all the suffering and the desire and the sickness are like made to feel like their love is lesser. What is your particular interest in this topic of sort of love and sexuality and relationships and bodies and all of that? Where where does your interest lie or where does that come from? I sometimes wonder if it's because I've been socialized as a woman that mm-hmm. I, I growing up like I was taught that my, you know, that my greatest like my greatest joy in life was to was to achieve like being loved by a man, you know, like I and to you know what I mean? Like I, I, that sounds yeah. ancient. I realize that. But I also know that I fight against like this feeling that like the best thing I can do as a woman is to be desired. Um, mm-hmm. But then so that's one answer. The other answer to the question is that like if you ever saw Moulin Rouge, like I really strongly identify with the Ewan McGregor character. You know, he's introduced uh. <laughs> as someone who's just 
obsessed with love. It's his obsession. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way, you know? Like, I feel like ever since I was a kid, I remember, like, in first grade, I was, like, even actually before first grade, I got in trouble in senior kindergarten for asking a boy <laughs> to kiss me on the cheek. You know, and if you go back into my diaries, it's just, like, flooded. Like, literally, age six, like, just obsession with, like, you know, my best friend Anna. <laughs> I started really early. I mean, me and my best friend Anna got married at age six. I didn't I did I remember telling my mom and I like you know that was like her first you know her first moment of like you know I think for a long time she never asked me if I was like into women she just always assumed you know like I had this I I was legitimately in love with like my first real very serious best friend and when I was 19 uh-huh. and like I brought her to Christmas and I brought her I mean like but we never you know, we never like actually it was it was one of those friendships. I mean, and actually we document this type of friendship on the show a lot. Close adult friendships between women. How interesting. I've been thinking about early lesbians, lesbians in a time before you could broadly identify as such and have it be understood. They were probably a lot like me and Caitlin, happier, more comfortable and more real together occasionally gazing across the onion-chopping board at each other with goo-goo eyes, but for the most part keeping it in their pants to avoid suspicion. I mean, I think that's one thing that your show does really well is is it's celebrating wherever people are. And I think for a lot of people, that's probably feels really welcoming. That really is what it boils down to is sort of like normalizing Mm -hmm. the diversity that exists in the world. You know, a genderqueer person just so happens to be the main character in this story. You know, like we're not being like, oh, it's a genderqueer person. It's just like, you know, it's like, oh, we try to sort of like make sure that the description of a person like, you know, sort of can identify certain things because you're, you know, you're in radio and you're like, sometimes people are represented and they have no idea because they sound just like everybody else. For the first time ever mm-hmm. on the show, we had like like straight cis dudes like as the main focal yeah. point in an episode. But that's the thing is like, you know, they're straight cis dudes. But like that category is not as rigid as we think it is. I love the idea of being able to like on a hot summer's day wear a skirt. There's no there's no male equivalent except for some really maybe dorky zip on pants shorts, which are just the worst. If I want to wear a big chunky necklace one day, I will wear it. If I want to paint a nail, I'll do it. If it were socially acceptable for me to wear eyeliner, I would absolutely wear eyeliner. I just like the way it looks. I, I would describe myself as like a an impassioned mother hen who identifies very strongly as male. I do twirl. <laughs> You know, I mean, so, so yeah, like, and I think that, like, so many men wrote in being like, oh, my God, like, that's me. And, and, you know, I've never felt seen in this way before. Caitlin Prest is the host of The Heart from Radiotopia. To find out more about the show, hit up biglisten.org. It's time for another quick break, but when we come back, we'll get some relationship advice from the Sugars. Cheryl Strayed and Steve Almond. Very seldom do people present us with a problem where we can just say, okay, this is the solution. Every once in a while, that's the case. You know, if you have a boyfriend uh, who hates cats and you love cats, break up with a dude. (laughs) That's coming up in just a sec. Stick around. This is NPR.
I'm Linda Holmes from NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast. What has pointy ears, a cape, a huge ego, and knees that don't bend? That's right. Lego Batman. To get the skinny on his new movie and lots of other good stuff to watch and read, find Pop Culture Happy Hour on the NPR One app or at npr.org slash podcasts. Hi, guys. This is Laura from Racine, Wisconsin, and I would love to recommend the Bright Sessions podcast. It's an audio drama full of people who are going to therapy, but they have superpowers. What is your version of normal? This. Being in school, hanging out with my mom and Frank and you, making art, hearing people's thoughts. (laughs) Right. I'm glad you're comfortable with it. I have to be. I hear voices and see stuff that's not there. Big deal. So do Think a lot of other- if X-Men had depression or, or anxiety disorder. What's normal for you? Well, time travel, definitely. Disappearing at any moment has been my normal for a long time. It's great. Highly recommend it. The Bright Sessions. Listen to it now because I need more people to talk about it. So, okay, thanks. Bye. Hey pals, welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober, and I need some good news these days. So call me on the pod line and tell me what shows I should be listening to. The number is 202-885-POD1. Consider it your community service. Normally, this would be the part of the show called Listen Up, where we grill super cool people about what podcasts they're putting their ears on. But since it's almost Valentine's Day, we figured some of you, okay, just me actually, could use some advice about love and stuff. So we asked our pals, Cheryl Strade and Steve Ullman of Dear Sugar, to come and help us figure out our tortured hearts. Now, they're both writers, so naturally they know a little something about being tormented. Right. You're saying we're messed up, right? I'm not saying that you're messed up. Like, you're not wounded healers, necessarily. (laughs) I am. You know, it's funny to say, I am a wounded healer. Dear Sugar began as an advice column where Cheryl dispensed wisdom on everything from childlessness to infidelity. A couple of years ago, she turned it into a podcast with her pal Steve. But the thing about interviewing advice columnists, it's really hard not to get personal. You can write to us anytime, Lauren. We're always, Steve and I are always here for you. (laughs) So I feel like when I listen to you guys, it seems like you have your stuff pretty together. I know you said, Steve, in the beginning, you know, you guys are screwed up. But it does seem like you have figured out some secret a little bit. Have you just, is is that a facade or have you actually, do you actually have the secret to life and you're willing to share it right now? No, that's a facade. I was going to say, I have the secret, but Steve <laughs> but is still working me. on it. That's no, the you know, in the, the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a secret. And in all seriousness, I mean, Steve is very, he always, in very comic ways, uh, sort of tells everyone how screwed up we are. But, you know, in the, the fact of the matter is, I can say about Steve observing his life is, you know, he does have it together in so many ways. But that's about always engaging with the idea that things fall apart. We also are hyper aware that we, our own stories are really occluded. We're straight, white, married people with children who, uh, you know, are financially 
doing all right. Mm-hmm. And that already puts us in a real bubble because we really are in, in a, an emotional and psychic way and, and in lots of other ways, privileged people. So one thing I, I, I like about what you, you call your advice radically empathetic, and I want to know what that means. Well, I'll take a stab and then Cheryl will get it right. <laughs> and the central thing that we're trying to do, I think, uh, and certainly that Cheryl did so beautifully in a literary way in the column, is just be with people in the struggle. And rather than trying to solve the problem, uh, our approach is, well, let's try to figure out what this person's saying. What's the surface of the letter and what's sort of the letter that's underneath it? But it's mostly an effort to allow people to be heard when they're in pain, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which turns out to be what people want. Right. Cheryl, did he get it right? He got it beautifully right. <laughs> Do you ever get any stumpers where you're like, oh, boy, I just wouldn't even have a clue on or 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 if you were to engage in that question, it might be potentially irresponsible or no. You know, very seldom do people present us with a problem where we can just say, OK, this is the solution. Every once in a while, that's the case. You know, if you have a boyfriend uh, who hates cats and you love cats, break up with the dude. Dear Sugars, thank you so much for featuring my letter on the show. Perfect timing for a follow-up as I am in the process of moving out of my now ex-boyfriend's house right now. Shortly, Yay! Yay. <laughs> Shortly after I wrote to you, I sent one of my cats to stay with my parents to see if my boyfriend could at least adjust to living with one of my cats, the more mellow one. He had, again, promised if I did this, things would be different. They weren't. My cat remained terrified of him, and my boyfriend liked it that way. Sugars, hearing your advice was a wake-up call. My friends and parents had been telling me I should go for months, but having objective listeners be as unwavering in their advice to leave, and as I say unwavering, Cheryl Strait is looking at me like, yeah, that was me. She really means that was what I was saying. (laughs) That's right. Somehow made it really sink in. My boyfriend wasn't changing. In fact, he was becoming more miserable to live with in ways that went beyond the cats, and I needed to go. Still, after the episode aired, our relationship dragged on for a few more months, mostly for convenience, but also for my own fear of what comes next. I'm glad to say I was finally able to convince myself that whatever that is, I will be happier and healthier than I am now. Let's hope there's an abundance of crazy cat-loving gentlemen in my future signed crazy but no longer confused cat lady. All right. Yay! I'm sure there are such gentlemen out there for you, crazy. Mm-hmm. Are, are there common themes that, that you see coming up um, that, you know, are really puzzling people? They're the love and relationship things that we all grapple with, I guess, if, if we are lucky to be in them. But um, but yeah, are there things that, that for you just keep coming up over and over again? It was so interesting, Lauren. You said, if we're lucky enough to be in them and just my little dear sugar radar said, now, it sounds to me like Lauren has some issues around relationships. <laughs> no, that is so <laughs> terrible. <laughs> this wasn't going to be about me, Steve. Come on. I know are it some... wasn't. I know it wasn't. <laughs> Lauren, are some of us not so lucky? If, Just if let you her had keep written going, us a Cheryl. letter, we'll get to the bottom of it. If you had written right? us a letter that had that word "lucky" in it, we oh, would have no. to parse that because, of course, "lucky" implies that the the the, the sort of preferred state of being is in a in a oh, monogamous no, that's true. relationship. That's true. You know what? That so. actually, thank thank you for calling me out because not everybody wants to do that. Um, so that's right. <laughs> 
I can tell you, in addition to the single people out there who are listening, who are perfectly happy to be single, there are a whole bunch of people in relationships who are thinking, no, you guys are the lucky ones. <laughs> Correct. No, I wanted to know. Oh, if, oh the love. The, 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 who, what, the questions we are there th- are yeah, there themes? No, of course there are themes. themes. I mean, right, nobody, yes, here's, here's the big, here's one big theme is, you know, nobody knows how the hell they're going to go on after their heart has been broken. And it's, it always is just like, really, it's just the same thing is like, um, I don't think he loves me anymore or I don't think she loves me anymore. Yeah. And what am I going to do? And, you know, we, we're always like, well, you're just going to let time pass. Right. And, and, you know, you're just going to keep either, living. You're going to either get I mean, a cat or you're going <laughs> to fall in love again. OK, so there's the somebody left me and I still love him or her. There's the mm-hmm. I've been in love for a really long time with so and so. And now I'm kind of lusting after the neighbor. Oh, boy. So let's see. Here we go. Dear Sugars, I've become a stereotype. I am insanely attracted to one of my professors. He's smart, obviously, goes with the territory, but his professors go, he's great, funny, interesting, talented, cute, and I really want to ask him out after the semester is over. It seems like we have so much in common. But I wonder if pining after him until then is a silly waste of my time. It sounds so silly and so trivial, but honestly, do you think it's a bad idea? Should I cut my losses and talk myself out of my attraction to him? And if I were to ask him out after final grades are in, what would be an appropriate way to do it? Sincerely, nervous but hopeful. Nervous but hopeful. She's going to make the call. I'm, Here I'm, it comes. You know, I'm, I'm going to make an unpopular call, I think. Oh. Because, you know, all la, la, love. I'm all in favor of love and doing what you want to do and all that groovy stuff. And I don't think you should ask your professor out. Dying. And here's why. All right. Here's why. There's really a long-standing sort of ethical groundwork has been laid about this dynamic of students and professors or students and teachers dating each other. Mm-hmm. And the way, I mean, I mean, it's really all the big things in life. Another topic we hear a lot about is, should I have a baby? Should I not have a baby? So-and-so wants a baby and I don't mm-hmm. want a baby. Don't um, have that or baby. Or should I have a don't second do baby? Don't do it. No, we don't need Lauren, anymore. Lauren, very interesting. I'm taking notes. <laughs> Lauren, see? We have no. Lauren. If you're, if you're lucky enough to not have a baby. <laughs> if you're lucky enough not to have a baby. <laughs> no, but I but I think that there are uh, the question of like, should I have a kid? Should I not have a kid? It seems like, well, do you want a kid? It's not like, um, you know, should I um go on this roller coaster or should I not? Well, do you like roller coasters? Yes, Lauren, then go on Lauren. it. You know, our, our questions no. are a little bit more no. complicated than that, Lauren. <laughs> Although not, I'm waiting for Lauren. that question, Cheryl. That's like, should I go on a roller coaster? This is coaster? why you really have like this them. show. <laughs> this is the worst. I'm so bad at this. Don't yeah, ever, this is don't not... anyone come to me for advice. <laughs> I think you've got some great roller coaster advice. I think on the subject of roller coasters and a roller coaster coasters. ambivalence, I'm ready to give it. <laughs> over to you yeah um well i i did uh ask your producer if i could ask you guys one question um that to to elicit advice this is from you lauren yeah well no 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 no. but but it, no it was just sort of really good <laughs> she's general. backing away no, again. no no listen listen right. listen, right. listen but i All wanted right. to know if i could if i could throw up a totally different question for you which i yeah. feel is much better so the question is can somebody be a great person, high functioning with wonderful and full life, but just completely be incapable of long term romantic love like they cannot figure out how to make it work? That's not an uncommon letter. Oh, geez. You know, the first question I would ask is, is this a problem? I mean, so the answer is, can you have right. a, a happy life without having long term romantic and sexual love? I think absolutely. I think many people have have done that actually but the question is always is is it does it bother you 
And if if the answer is yes, which I'm going to presume it is, because because here's why would you be asking it, right? You know, then it's um, what is happening. You know, are you um, somebody who's really described themselves as so successful in every other area of their life? My first instinct is to say, you know, are you are you afraid of failure? And I think some people do get rather worked up about that. Uh, They see it as another thing to achieve or succeed at. And it's really out of their control, you know, but I would need uh, more information before I accuse them of such wild <laughs> perfectionism. <laughs> I, I think that's right. I, I, I think um, a couple of things. It, it really does go back to what you were saying, Lauren, about the roller coaster. You know, do you want to be on that particular roller coaster? And if you don't, then, you know, I mean, we wouldn't get that letter unless somebody was struggling with what I think is actually in a certain way, being attached to a feeling of failure. That is, I'll give myself all these other things, but uh, I've got to have something that I, I hold myself back from. And I think there are good reasons that people are terrified of long-term commitment. They're afraid of being known. They're afraid of being known very deeply. The other thing I would ask is, you know, is this anxiety about the letter writer's own desires, or is it about social conformity? Mm, it's it's right. amazing how many people, you know, by the age of 28 or 29 are freaking out because they've never found, you know, that long-term love yet. And and, and I think, okay, well, you know, you've only just begun. You, you know, it's hard to have that perspective when you are at that moment because you do see so many people around you getting married and, you know, do, doing all that kind of stuff, all that love stuff. I do think that, that there's nothing wrong with... Um, saying, you know, I do want a partner in mm-hmm. my life. I, I certainly think that, that that's um, not a requirement for a happy life, but for for many people, it is. And so I don't think that that anxiety is inherently wrong, but I do think it's a good idea to to ask yourself, you know, where exactly is it coming from? Cheryl Strayed and Steve Almond are the sages behind the show Dear Sugar from our pals at WBUR in Boston. To find out more about their show or to get advice on your own affair decor, check out biglisten.org. It's got all the details. Well, we've almost reached the end of this week's episode, but before we let you go, it's time for CHARTOGRAPHY. Chartography is our 60 second mapping of the iTunes charts, but we're not looking at number one or even number 100. We're looking at number 289, and honestly, in a field of tens of thousands of podcasts, 289 is a really respectable ranking. So this week's 289 is a show called Under the Scales, which is a podcast from a guy named Tom Marshall. Hey, so... Who is a longtime songwriter for the band Fish. I'm very excited about this particular episode. And the episode that I listened to was called Trey's Guitars One. We have a lot of questions for you regarding guitars. And it is a chat with Tom Marshall and this guy named Dan Cantor. How are you, Dan? Hey, everybody. Who happens to be Justin Bieber's guitarist. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he's also Canadian, so he has a cute little accent. Hockey and Tim Horton's coffee. They talk about how amazing it is that Trey Anastasio only uses like one guitar. Yeah. Whereas Dan Cantor when he's playing for Justin <laughs> Justin Bieber. I'm sorry. It's, the crossover is hilarious to me. The Fish Bieber crossover. So they talk a lot about oh yeah, how Dan plays a lot of different guitars. I needed different guitars for different songs. And also how he turned Justin Bieber into a Fish fan. That's amazing, Dan. And sometimes 
Dan Cantor, the guitarist, will do some like sweet fish licks on the on the guitar while Justin is changing his clothes. Changing and putting on this like studded whatever. I guess if you're a fish fan, this is like the perfect podcast for you. I'd love to talk forever uh, about stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Also, it's called Under the Scales, like points for keeping the under the sea theme going. Um, I've done one deep dive before. It's just pun after pun after pun, wordplay after wordplay after wordplay. Anyway, it's making me want to bounce around the room. (laughs) Would you believe me if I told you that this podcast is a weekly thing that you can get delivered to the digital device of your choice every single week for free and all you have to do is hit subscribe to make it happen? What a bargain. Anyway, go to iTunes or NPR One or any fine purveyor of podcasts to subscribe. As always, we love us some listener feedback. Please like us on Facebook and or follow us on Twitter. We're at Here Big Listen. That's H-E-A-R Big Listen. So follow us. Our tweets are more fun than the president's. And if you want to send us love notes, our electronic mail address is biglisten at wamu.org. Looking for the show notes with the links to all this week's featured episodes? We'll then fire on up our website, biglisten.org. All the links are there. Or subscribe to our official newsletter. There's a link on our website. The show was produced, mixed, and edited today by Jacob Fenston with a big lift from our favorite millennial, Ponzi Rutch. I, Lauren Ober, was pretending Valentine's Day wasn't a thing. David Schulman composed the theme music. Other music in the show came from Army Navy, the band, not the store. The Big Listen is the brainchild of boss lady Andy McDaniel and her boss man J.J. Yore and is produced by WAMU and distributed by NPR in Washington, D.C., capital of America. And now, a resolution to our cliffhanger. Do our grooms, Brett and Brian, find their rings? Who knows? So their friend Kelsey heard about a website called Ring Finders on the podcast Reply All. After a quick internet search, she found a guy nearby who said he could come right over. And then we realized that he is going to arrive at about the same time that the ceremony is happening. Like this guy with this crazy aluminum hat and like a metal detector like in the background of the wedding. And they're getting (laughs) married. And, you know. If only. Toward the end of the ceremony, the guy arrives. Saul's aluminum hat, and Kelsey goes to meet him. I go up to him, and I'm just, like, about to introduce myself, and he says nothing. He just holds out his hand, and the rings are in his Shut up. So. No. Yeah, he had found them. He had gotten there about, like, ten minutes before. And had already found them. You know, my my first reaction was, was this an elaborate joke? I mean, because I'm thinking, okay, this is ridiculous. Yeah. It's unbelievable, right? How did this actually happen to us? Would you say that, like, a podcast saved your wedding? It's amazing, but it's true. So all that time you spend in your headphones listening to podcasts, oblivious to the world, it might actually turn you into the hero of the day. Or at least help your friends out of a jam. Till next time, keep listening, America. This is NPR. Whoa, 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 what are you still doing here? The show's over. Well, since you're here, you might as well make yourself useful. 
head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. It really helps other very attractive listeners such as yourselves find the show. So review us on iTunes, please and thank you.